Good afternoon, everyone. On the update this Thursday, uh, former Mayor Bill de Blasio and his wife, Shirlane McRae, are going to be now in a living entanglement. They're separating but not divorcing after 29 years of marriage uh, that helped lift de Blasio into the mayor's job. We'll have the latest details. A 63-year-old man was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison for his role in the robbery of a Connecticut jewelry store that ended with a jeweler being shot to death. The Mets are still undefeated in the month of July, and they had to go to some last-minute heroics. Francisco Alvarez homer to tie it, two outs, two strikes in the ninth inning. Mark Hanna tripled the go-ahead run, and the Mets beat the Diamondbacks. And do we have to say thank you to the former president? Federal prosecutors say that the former president posted on his social media platform what he claimed was the home address of the former president, Barack Obama, the same day that a man with guns in his van was arrested near the property. This is the update. Thursday, July the 6th, 2023. Celebrating six years of telling New York's stories. From the Tommy Lynn stage at the Urban Dove Charter School in Brooklyn, New York. This is the update of Brandon Julian, a three-time winner of the Kingsborough Community College Gold Student Service Award. It's everything that you need to know, because anything can happen in New York. Greetings and salutations to you all, folks, every last one of you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the update on a Thursday, a Thursday that the sun is back out in full force, and there's less clouds than it was yesterday, not much of a breeze either. That means the sun is just beaming down in its intensity. That means you can definitely feel it. Depending on where you are, real fuel could be anywhere between 95 and over 100 degrees. I believe in such a way the reading was uh, 109 some time ago. That's actually what it feels like in the sun when you step outside. So, you know, drink your water, uh, stay in the air conditioning, do whatever you need to do to stay hydrated. It will progressively, I've heard, will get better. The real feels will go down to about the upper, the mid-90s, which is tolerable <laughs> in some cases for, uh, for summer. But, of course, the chances of showers and maybe even thunderstorms come back as well. It has been nothing like a typical summer, if, uh, if you get the circumstances of what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm Brandon Julian, of course, folks. We appreciate you so much for being here, wherever you may be and however you may be listening to us. Lots of news, of course, to catch you up on. We're going to begin this Thursday with the former mayor of the city of New York, Bill de Blasio. He and his wife, Shirlane McRae, are going to be living 
uh, a real-life entanglement of sorts. Uh, they say that the mayor and McRae are separating, but not divorcing. After 29 years of a marriage that helped lift de Blasio into the mayor's office, de Blasio and McRae told the New York Times that they will continue to share the same Brooklyn townhouse while dating other people. McRae confirmed the separation in a text to the Associated Press and said the pair spoke to the Times in an effort to head off the gossip. Uh, she said that they wanted to go public before, quote, any misunderstandings occur. Uh, de Blasio himself did not immediately comment uh, to the people at the AP. On to some of the other news of this Thursday. And over in Bridgeport in Connecticut, a 63-year-old man was sentenced yesterday to 30 years in federal prison for his role in the robbery of a Connecticut jewelry store that ended with a jeweler being shot to death. Paul Prosano was convicted back in December of crimes including robbery and the interstate transportation of stolen property. Prosecutors say Prosano and two other men robbed Marco Jewelers in Stamford in March of 2020, getting away with between $360,000 and $400,000 worth of jewelry. Police found the store owner, Mark Verono, dead in front of the store's open safe. Prosecutors say that surveillance video showed Prosano driving his co-defendants to the store. Some of the jewelry was later recovered from his home. In case you didn't know it a little while ago, there was a primary in the city. Out of Sleepy Hollow, the former representative Mondier Jones is now seeking to win back the suburban congressional seat that he lost after redistricting last year. Jones became, of course, one of the first two gay black men elected to Congress in 2020, but he was among those who lost in the contentious redistricting process of last year, which put him in the same district as former representatives Sean Patrick Maloney. Rather than running in the redrawn 17th district, Jones joined a crowded Democratic primary field in the 10th congressional district here in the city. He lost to former federal prosecutor Daniel Goldman, who went on to win, of course, the general election. Meanwhile, as all the balloting, as the voting, I should say, not all the voting is done, the counting of the ballots can begin. Uh, city elections officials, they began releasing the preliminary results yesterday from the ranked choice voting in the city council primaries last week. The city is still tabulating the first round results, so these results may change in the next few days and weeks, weeks as the additional ballots are tallied. Voting in the local primaries concluded on the 27th of June, but winners have yet to be determined in some city council contests including several that could advance to range of choice voting and will be subject to subsequent rounds of additional ballot counting. 
In other news, a member of the Central Park Five has now won the Democratic primary for a seat on the city council representing Central Harlem. The win all but assures a Yusuf Salam of eventual victory. Ranked choice voting tallies yesterday showed him with nearly 64% of first and second choice votes, making him the clear winner. Salam prevailed over two political veterans, State Assembly members Al Taylor and Inez Dickens. Salam, of course, was 15 when he was wrongly, wrongfully arrested in the rape and beating of a white woman jogging in Central Park back in 1989. Salam and four other black and Latino teenagers were wrongfully convicted and spent years in prison before they were exonerated. And finally, we're going to go up north to Troy, where a police dog was stabbed 12 times while fighting a burglary suspect, but the dog is expected to fully recover. The Troy PD says that Norby was stabbed early yesterday morning while pursuing a man suspected of trying to break into homes in the city. Police say the Belgian Malinois and his handler were attempting to take the suspect into custody in a wooded area when the suspect began to stab Norby with a knife. The suspect was caught by police and sent to a nearby hospital. Norby was taken to a veterinarian and was discharged yesterday afternoon. Time for us to step aside momentarily. When we return on the update this Thursday, we have a few important messages to tell you from the MTA. I'm going to talk some sports and talk about how the Mets continue to remain undefeated in the month of July. But they had to win last night with some last-minute heroics down to their final strike. Apparently, you might be micro-cheating if you like certain social media posts or you confide in your ex. How far do you have to go before it's considered cheating? Well, according to the world of TikTok, there are varying degrees. But no one person can actually decide on where the line should actually be drawn. And then we're going to talk together, of course, the latest national news. Out in the American West in Star, Idaho, Americans are segregating themselves by their politics at a rapid clip, helping fuel the greatest divide between the states in modern history. And to talk about this, folks, and a lot more, too, of course, when the update Brandon Julian returns in just a moment. From New York, mention this intro and the next one's free. This is the update with Brandon Julian, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it, and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. 
Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration. Brandon Julian. Of all the newscasters in New York, I just happen to be one of them. This is The Update with Brandon Julian. Keeping an eye on the roads, the rails, and the skies, it's time for Traffic and Weather Together. Beginning June 26th at 6.15 a.m. through the remainder of 2023, seven express trains will run only between 74th Street, Broadway, and Flushing Main Street in both directions because of station enhancement work and escalator replacement. During rush hours, seven express trains will make all local stops between 74th Street, Broadway, and 34th Street, Hudson Yards. Between May 15th and July 3rd, B, D, F, and M train customers should expect their uptown commutes to take an additional two minutes. There'll be one fewer F train during the morning rush, with two fewer F trains and one fewer M train during the afternoon rush. In addition, F Express trains in Brooklyn will not be running. Weeknight reroutes will occur between April 24th and July 14th during the overnight hours. Between 9.30 p.m. and 5 a.m. on those nights, A and C trains will run express between 145th Street and Canal Street in both directions. D trains will run local between 205th Street and Coney Island, running via the A and F lines between 59th Street, Columbus Circle, and Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue. F trains will run local between 21st Street, Queensbridge, and Coney Island, running via the N and R lines in Manhattan and via the D line in Brooklyn. Free shuttle buses will run between West 4th Street and Grand Street on the D-Line and between West 4th Street and East Broadway on the F-Line. Beginning May 12th at 11.45 p.m. and continuing weekdays through the fall of 2023, the seven-train Manhattan-bound platforms at 111th Street and 82nd Street Jackson Heights are closed for station upgrades. For service to these stations, or from these stations, take a Flushing-bound 7 train and transfer, or use the nearby Q32 or Q48 buses. Beginning at 10 p.m. on Sunday, February 26th until August 
Jamaica centerbound J and Z trains will bypass 75th Street Elders Lane and Woodhaven Boulevard for station rehabilitation work. During rush hours beginning February 27th, skid stop service is not running. Trains will make local stops between Jamaica Center Parsons Archer and Crescent Street. For alternate service, use the Q56 bus making stops along Jamaica Avenue. Beginning Monday, February 27th, the passageway connecting the 1, 2, and 3 trains and the F, L, and M trains is closed because of accessibility improvements. If you normally transfer between the 1, 2, 3, F, L, and M trains at 14th Street, 6th Avenue, you still will be able to for free via an out-of-system walking transfer between 6th and 7th Avenue. The New York City Police Department would like to remind you to keep your belongings in sight and to stay aware of your surroundings. If you see something suspicious in the station or on the train, tell a police officer or an MTA employee. MTA crews are here to help us get around. Let's treat them with respect. Assaulting a New York City Transit employee is a felony, punishable by up to seven years in prison. The fare on local, limited, and select bus service is $2.75. Transfers must be requested upon payment of the cash fare. For the S79 select bus service, pay on board the bus. For all other select bus service routes, pay at the kiosk outside and hold your ticket for the duration of your trip for possible inspection. The fare on express buses is $6.75. Coins are no longer accepted as a payment on express buses. Now, with the latest scores and highlights, it's time for the sports update. So, the New York Mets, folks, they continue to remain undefeated in the month of July. They are trying to make an effort to get back in the race to the National League wild card, because at this point, the division is too far out for them. Uh, especially because those damn pesky Braves keep winning every day. Uh, Mets and D-backs out west in Arizona. Mets down to their last strike, they were. But Francisco Alvarez homered to tie it, and Mark Hanna then tripled in the go-ahead run, and the Mets beat the D-backs 2-1. Mets won their fourth in a row, but like I said, they were down to their last strike. When Alvarez homer to right off of Andrew Chathan. But Brett Beatty followed with a single to right. Then after a mound visit, Canna tripled to right center to score Beatty with the go-ahead run. Senga matched his season high with 12 strikeouts over eight innings. Christian Walker led off the seventh with a home run for Arizona. Meanwhile, Yanks and the Birds up in the Bronx, 
touted prospect Colson Cower hit an RBI single in his MLB debut and then scored the go-ahead run when his fellow rookie, Jordan Westberg, followed with a two-run triple, sending Dean Kremer and the Orioles past the Yanks 6-3. Kremer struck out 10 in seven innings of four-hit ball. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn uh, lined a two-run homer in the ninth. And all-star relievers Yannier Cano and Felix Bautista combined to get the final six outs as the second-place Orioles won for only the second time in their last eight games. Josh Donaldson and Anthony Volpe homered for the Bombers. Kyle Higashioka hit an RBI single. Real scary moment up in the Bronx, too, as a cameraman was injured and had to be taken to the hospital after he was hit in the head by a wild throw from the rookie shortstop for the O's, Gunnar Henderson. Position next to the Yankee dugout on the first base side, Pete Stendhal of the S Network was struck by a hurried throw from Henderson, who fired high to first as he tried to complete a double play. After the game, Yes said that Stendhal was conscious and undergoing tests at the hospital. Play was delayed for about 17 minutes as Stendhal received medical attention in the camera well. Yankee and Oriole players, including Henderson, watched in obvious concern at a hushed ballpark. Stendhal was strapped onto a stretcher and carted off the field, raising and wagging two fingers to loud applause. Of course, it's not all good news for the Yanks, as a Jimmy Cordero now suspended for the rest of his season by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred for violating the domestic violence policy. MLB says the 31-year-old Dominican right-hander has accepted the suspension and will miss the, the season's final 76 games and then the postseason. Uh, he will lose a little near $310,000 in pay. Cordero was 3-2 with a 3.86 ERA in one start and 30 relief appearances and has a $720,000 salary, which is the, the major league minimum. He missed the 2021 season after Tommy John surgery with the White Sox and then spent last year with the AAA team for the Yanks at Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. The Yankees said in the statement that they supported MLB's discipline and, quote, there is no justification for domestic violence. Now, folks, when we return on the update this Thursday, apparently you might be micro-cheating if you like certain social media posts or confide in your ex. And at least according to the world of TikTok, there are various degrees of cheating, but no one person can decide where to draw the actual line. And then we're going to talk uh, together, of course, yeah, the latest national news. In Washington, the U.S. Air Force says that Russian fighter jets flew dangerously close to several U.S. drone aircraft over Syria yesterday, setting off flares and forcing the MQ-9 Reapers to take evasive maneuvers. We're going to talk about this, folks, and a lot more, too, of course, when the update brain of Julian returns after, of course, these messages.
from New York, where we've got a backup generator. This is the update with Brad and Julia, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Brandon Julian. Bajan common sense. Bajan common sense. Does anybody know if there's any common sense left in the room? This is the update with Brandon Julian. Indeed, it is, folks. Welcome back to the update, Brandon Julian, on a Thursday, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, of course, folks, for still being here with us as uh, it's not actually the temperature feels hot, but the real feel feels hot. There's a distinct difference. Like if you walk out in the sun right now, it is blistering out there. Real feels are anywhere between 90 and over 100 degrees, depending on where you are. So, you know, make sure you drink water, you stay hydrated. Hopefully you stay near some air conditioning. Things will gradually improve, I hope, because I personally cannot take a whole summer of refills being like this. But then I guess the argument would be made, you know, it's summer, it's summer, you know, we should be able to deal with this. And I'm like, I'm not 100% sure about that. The summer isn't always, you know, miserable and such temperature-wise. Anyway, I pose uh, a question to you lovely people. How far do you actually have to go before it's considered cheating? You know, there is such thing as uh, emotional cheating. But according to the world of TikTok, at least there are varying degrees. But there's no one person that can decide on where to draw the actual line. While there is a clear distinction of what defines physical cheating, emotional cheating is a lot harder to construe. In response, users on TikTok have been debating what falls under the umbrella of micro-cheating. And with over nearly 26 million views on the hashtag micro-cheating on the app, there are many ideas floating around about what micro-cheating actually is. According to Alicia Munoz, a relationship counselor from Mind Green Body Relationships, micro-cheating is the act of, quote, cultivating in small ways 
inappropriate intimate connections outside of your relationship. While that doesn't involve actual physical cheating, like having sex or kissing another person. Actions that break emotional exclusivity, like emotionally connecting with someone and telling them things that you don't tell your partner, generally fall under that umbrella. And while there are varying degrees, as I just said, TikTokers though are arguing about what counts actually as micro-cheating and how an individual's insecurities play into it. Some of the most common examples of content creators listed include confiding in your ex about your current relationship issues, neglecting to tell someone the status of your relationship, inside jokes with someone who is not your partner, secretly messaging someone and not inviting your partner to events. Although many people agree with the definition, some people are saying it's a little more black and white than just that. One commenter, uh, one user commented in response to a video by author Carrie Wynn on TikTok about the subject, quote, all these new made up words crack me up. You're either cheating or you're loyal. There is no in between. Um, Another agreed quote, if you wouldn't tell your partner about it, then don't do it. It's so simple. But others says there was some ambiguity surrounding cheating. One person commented on a video talking about the subject, quote, depends on what your boundaries are. And according to Wynn, the key to avoiding crossing the line in micro-cheating is to establish clear boundaries and communicate with your partner. In a clip, she used the idea of micro-cheating as an example. She said, quote, if you communicate, you're going to have the best, most open and communicative relationship ever. And that's just not my facts, folks. It's a Disney fact. (laughs) What's also a fact, national news. It's next for us around here. When the update for Andy Julian continues. From New York. Please, use only as directed, and ask your doctor if it's right for you. This is the Update with Brandon Julian, available wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're worried your friend may be struggling, remember, you don't have to be there to be there. You could say how while you will get a fake tattoo. You could ask with an app if it works for you. You could write him a text or knit him a sweater. If you can't be together, you could write him a letter. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you Chat on the game, kick off your flip flops. You can ask on your couch while you binge watch. However, you do it, you gotta ask a friend. And if they don't share, you can ask again. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. Whatever, whatever, whatever gets you talking. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. Learn how you can help at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. From New York, 
the real mall of America. This is the update with Brad and Juliet, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the update, Brandon Julian, on a Thursday, everyone. Thursday, we're all trying to keep cool in the midst of the heat. Uh, thank you so much, of course, folks, for still being here with us. Uh, let us talk together right now, of course, the latest national news. And we're going to begin out in the American West in Star, Idaho. Americans are segregating themselves by their politics at a rapid clip helping fuel the greatest divide between the states in modern history. The split has sent states careening either to the political left or the right, adopting diametrically opposed laws on some of the hottest issues of the day. Colorado and Idaho represent two different poles of state-level political homogenization. Both are fast-growing Rocky Mountain states that have been transformed by the influx of new, like-minded residents. But politically, they increasingly occupy two separate worlds and exemplify the the country's increasing polarization on the core issues. In other news, we're going to go to Washington, where the U.S. Air Force says that Russian fighter jets flew dangerously close to several U.S. drone aircraft over Syria yesterday, setting off flares and forcing the MQ-9 Reapers to take evasive maneuvers. U.S. Air Force's Central released a video of the encounter showing a Russian Su-35 fighter closing in on a Reaper. It later showed a number of the so-called parachute flares moving into a drone's flight path. Flares are attached to parachutes. Army General Eric Kurilla, head of U.S. Central Command, says that Russia's violation of the ongoing efforts to clear the airspace over Syria, quote, increases the risk of escalation or miscalculation. Up the turnpike in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, a father who was preparing to walk his eldest daughter down the aisle, aspiring actor who appeared as an extra in the Creed movie franchise, a teenager who tried to help a wounded friend. These are the stories of just some of those who were killed in what has been the deadliest among a rash of shootings in this country occurring around the July 4th holiday. Philadelphia authorities say five people in a working-class neighborhood were gunned down Monday. A gunman in a ski mask and body armor appeared to fire on people at random. The suspect was arraigned yesterday. Meanwhile, five families remain shattered as they try to cope with feelings of loss and senselessness. And back in Washington, do we have to say thank you, Mr. President, or former president? Federal prosecutors say that the former president posted on his social media platform what he claimed was the home address of former President Barack Obama, the same day that a man with guns in his van was arrested near the property. They said that Taylor Tartano 
uh, kept two firearms and hundreds of rounds of ammunition inside of an arm that he had driven across the country. Prosecutors included the new details of the case in the motion filed yesterday, aiming to keep Taranto behind bars. They said Taranto told followers on his YouTube live stream that he was looking to get a good angle on a shot and locate, quote, the tunnels underneath their houses shortly before he was arrested by the Secret Service. There is more national news for us to discuss, and we will address those, of course, when the update Brandon Julian returns in just six to seconds. It was a normal day. He was in some minor accident, a fender bender. And I had this impulse to call him, but I didn't, because I thought I could call him later that week. He abandoned the car, he came home, and... He shot himself without ever talking to anyone. When I came home that night and I found her, they told me that she had shot herself, and I couldn't believe it. I asked if he was okay. Taking a gun into your house uh, for protection is um, a terrible myth. Once you pull that trigger, that's it. There is no coming back. 65 Americans a day die by gun suicide. Store your gun securely, locked, unloaded, and away from ammunition. Help stop suicide. Learn more at InFamilyFire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the update, Brady Julian, on a Thursday, everyone. Thank you so much, of course, folks, for still being here with us. Uh, you know, we're talking together right now, of course, the latest national news. We're going to head over to Columbus in Ohio, where a man has now been sentenced to life in prison for raping a nine-year-old girl who later traveled out of state for an abortion. Gerson Fuentes pleaded guilty yesterday. He'll be eligible for parole after serving 25 to 30 years in prison. The girl turned 10 before obtaining an abortion in Indiana. The case, of course, has now become a flashpoint in the national discussion about access to abortion. It it first came to light when an Indianapolis physician said a child had to travel to Indiana for the procedure because of Ohio's restrictions. Some 25 states, of course, have banned or restricted abortion since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. In other news, we're going to go up to Traverse City in Michigan, where a new government study says that nearly half of the tap water in this country contains potentially harmful compounds known as forever chemicals. The U.S. Geological Survey said yesterday that PFAS chemicals are found in private wells in addition to the public systems. The agency based its report on samples taken from 716 locations across this country, including urban centers as well as rural sites. Researchers researchers say that people could use the findings when considering whether to have their water tested or to install filters. Environmental group says that the study shows a need for regulation of PFAS pollution. 
We're going to head back out to the west, out of Los Angeles, where the uh, county sheriff actually shows says the video footage of a deputy violently throwing a woman to the ground while she filmed a man being handcuffed in a grocery store parking lot is, quote, disturbing. The incident on the 24th of June in Lancaster, north of L.A., is the latest to draw scrutiny to the sheriff's department's use of force. A protest by community groups was planned last night to demand that the officers be held accountable. Uh, Sheriff Robert Luna says that both officers were pulled off of, were pulled off field duties, while uh, while of course the investigation it continues. And uh, finally, let's talk about the weather, which we always address on this show, as you know, when the weather is bad, and it definitely has been, because it's been hot, hot, hot out there. The planet's temperature spiked yesterday to its hottest day in at least 44 years, and likely much longer. Uh, Yesterday, as in Wednesday, could be the third straight day that global temperatures unofficially hit a record-breaking high. The numbers from the University of Maine's Climate Renazzler Project became uh, come, I should say, on top of months of record warmth in the North Atlantic, record low sea ice in Antarctica, and a strengthening El Nino. Temperatures in cities across the globe are setting high marks for heat, and the forecast yesterday showed little relief ahead. Higher temperatures, they translate into brutal conditions for people all over the world. I'm going to let you guys ponder on this as we say in the words of Walter Cronkite. That's the way it is. Thursday, July the 6th, 2023. That is the update on this Thursday. Uh, I'm Brandon Julian. We appreciate you being here with us. And in the words, of course, of Roger Grimsby and Bill Butel, hopefully that your news, folks, it will be good news. I thank you very much for joining me. Good luck, be safe, and most importantly, folks, please, please be well. We're going to lower the temperature just a bit uh, and also lower the real feel, too. It's only going to feel like the low 90s. That's, uh, that's acceptable. Right? And also there's a chance of scattered storms as well. Uh, Let's talk about that and a lot more, too, when I see you right back here tomorrow for the first Getaway Friday in uh, unofficially. That's not a holiday in the month of July. See you then.